Hello, and welcome to the 34 Circe podcast, today's episode on women's blood mysteries. A couple of disclaimers before we start. Today's episode is about people who menstruate and people who give birth, and we'll be using the word woman to describe those people. We understand that not all people who menstruate and people who give birth identify as women, and not all people who identify as women can menstruate or choose to give birth. But we'll be using the word woman to cut down on the number of times I trip over my own tongue. Second disclaimer, we might get into the oogie stuff. There might be talk of blood and clotting and placentas. And if that kind of thing makes you go and have to put your head between your knees, maybe skip this episode and go on to the next one. Thanks very much. And Here's the show. Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. Welcome to Make Matriarchy Great Again. again. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe podcast, Make Matriarchy Great Again. I am Dawn Sam Alden, just Dawn Sam Alden today, although our third musketeer, uh, Vicki Noble, is here as well. Hello, Vicki. Hi, nice to be here. So thrilled to have you. And we are very thrilled to have as a guest, Mary Lou Shin. And we're going to be talking today about women's blood mysteries. Hello, Mary Lou. Hi, Dan. So, Welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here and sharing this beautiful body of knowledge. Yay. We are very excited. Um, so, Mary Lou, do you want to start by just uh, introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes, definitely. Hi, everyone. So, yes, I am... A woman that considers myself to be in service of the ancient wisdom of not only the blood cycles, but the divine feminine. And I facilitate work with women as a medicine woman to help them resync with the web of life, to help them resync and remember um, what is our nature, which I feel that is so important that we return to the nature of the feminine. And, and that is a way of restoring not only our bodies, but also the body of um, the mother, right? The earth. So I, yeah, I work with, again, the ancient mysteries. I facilitate um, retreats, workshops with women internationally. And yeah, this is definitely my life purpose and I'm so glad to be here to share so that we can again remember that ancient wisdom that lays dormant in not only in our wombs but also in our bones Mm. yes absolutely it was such a pleasure for me to meet Mary Lou uh, maybe a decade ago has it been that long at least, Vicky. At least, maybe more. Um, yeah. 
she came to me as a student here in Santa Cruz, but uh, but then I went uh, to her home to do a workshop and experience some of her teaching as well. And it was so, so nice for us to realize that we were both really deeply focused uh, on the blood mysteries and for a long time. And uh, I, I'm just so glad to have that be true because it means uh, the younger generation is carrying the torch and I'm really grateful. Yes. Oh, Vicki, you've been such a great teacher to me. Um, and, you know, you also helped me tremendously to trust this path, right? Because I feel like oftentimes we walk in the outskirts of society. Yes. You know, like this is such an old wisdom that has been repressed yes. and, and obscure for a yes. reason. And so, like, I, there was a lot of resistance and doubt and even fear for me to really, like, step onto this calling and, and make it not only my my work, but also my life purpose. So you've been very uh, instrumental in me reclaiming this. And, you know, through my work with you through the years, it's just like, again, you helped me to ignite that ancient wisdom within me. So I'm deeply, deeply grateful. And also to to see how many women, as you were mentioning, Vicky, uh, younger women are thirsty, they're yearning uh -huh. to, to remember, and they, they come to me, right, women in their early 20s and all the way to 60s. It's like it's this um, reemergence that gives me a lot of hope and a lot of passion. That's fabulous, and it's so needed these days when they're trying to give the young women shots, you know, to make their periods go away. It's, it's criminal, and we have the the alternate medicine. Yes, or, you know, I was just um, having a conversation with a friend how, um, you know, young women who may be a little bit confused about their um, sexual orientation or if they're in the right body, how, like, they're even feeling pressure to maybe, like, modify their bodies, right, at 13, 14 years old when you really yes. cannot make such a decision like that. It's too mm -hmm. early. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's so important that we uh, bring this uh, wisdom back forward. Yeah. So perhaps we should uh, just take a moment to sort of define our terms. So uh, as I mentioned before we started recording, when I think of the blood mysteries, I think of sort of three um, points in a woman's life. Um, the first is menarche when uh, when she begins to bleed and have her monthly courses. Uh, the second is if she chooses to give birth, uh, the the sort of pregnancy and birth journey. And then the third is uh, menopause when the blood stops flowing. Um, so is that uh, in general what you think of, Mary Lou, when you think of the blood mysteries, or do you have a different way of defining that? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we begin with the maiden, right? The, the open, uh, right body. And what does that represent? The creativity, the potential that is there for the maiden and then the mother archetype, right? Like having children or if you choose not to have children, like that is your um, years of creativity and, you know, birthing your projects and being in that mother energy and then we transition into the crone the wise woman who has been exiled from society for obvious reasons because she carries a lot of wisdom 
And so I feel like, you know, while one of the big pieces that we are missing in our uh, current society is the rites of passage. So all of those three stages that we or archetypes that we are talking about, those are actually sacred rites of passage. And they carry very potent wisdom in each of those stages. So I feel like one of the reasons why we women feel oftentimes disoriented or disconnected is because we have forgotten how to honor and how to receive those rites of passage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. I mean, I certainly, uh, I certainly came into menarche, um, kick, you know, a bit kicking and screaming, unwilling. Um, and, uh, and there was so much, still so much, uh, shame and secrecy, uh, tied up with, um, starting to bleed, starting my monthly, monthly cycle. Um, and I think that is, you know, that's very true of American society that there is this, this terrible, uh, you know, no one wants to talk about menstrual blood. No one wants to see it. No one wants to touch it. None of that sort of thing. When they have, you know, uh, pad commercials on television, they pour in blue liquid just so that it's absolutely clear that it's not blood. <laughs> and, um, and so I think there, you know, for some, some people have, um, painful cycles certainly where um the courses are are not uh not a joy uh all you know all across the board um but on top of any actual physical difficulties that bodies might have there is this terrible shame associated with it and um how do you, uh, both Vicky and Mary Lou, but how do you address that in your work and, and how are you providing, um, hopefully, some better alternative models? Yeah, thank you. That's such a beautiful uh, question. Well, you know, as you were saying, I feel like it's actually the resistance and the negative connotation that blood has right in our collective unconscious it's also like something that we perceive as messy as dirty as an inconvenience uh right and so that ick factor (laughs) yes so for me it's actually like about reprogramming relearning how to approach the blood from a place of reverence from a place of reverence, not only for the blood, but also like how that through that process that we go monthly, how we can heal our connection, not only with our our own bodies, but to heal the connection with the earth. So like for me, the way I see it is, is that the blood represents our connection with with the earth, right? With With, with that, which is, primal which is basic with which is like of living in life and so yeah it's, it's a whole rite of passage and it's an unlearning of the way in which we've been again conditioned programmed to um, think and to behave in ways that are very linear linear and goal-oriented because right we we feel that having menstruation is an inconvenience uh-huh. that that it 
um, you know, it may hinder our progress or goals. And so we want to not only hide it, but we want to get through it. And no wonder why so many women suffer uh, PMS and other conditions is because, again, the way we approach this natural monthly rite of passage is, you know, is basically um, wrong. So we need to relearn how to have a different connection and a different approach to this cycle and honor it as part of the cycle of life death and rebirth but you know i feel like we are so fixated with this idea of permanence and linear goal oriented that it comes into sharp contrast with with the values that we hold as society yeah yeah yes. yeah oh sorry go ahead Becky. well i was just thinking i was seeing it in my mind's eye as mary lou was talking you know the the <clears throat> the template of the lunar phases and how the waxing moon is uh, like the <clears throat> the period of time in our cycle before the uh, f- before ovulation, and the waning moon is like the other cycle, the the not growth, but the but the decrease, the decrease of, of light, the decrease of energy. Uh, time for resting. And so instead of seeing the period as a setback, we need to see it as a time when we value uh, being set back uh, and set out of normal activity, um, a, way, a way to honor. Yes. And, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm always going for the political um, on top of the personal, that that is something that as a society, I would really like to see happen because, you know, again, you can't solve systemic problems with individual solutions. Women, even if you would like to honor that time in your cycle, it's not like we all get a day off from our day jobs, you know, in the height of, on the first day of our cycle, when it's the worst, we, we have all this societal pressure to like, you know, to see it as a weakness, to see it as a drawback, to see it as something that gets in the way of us being able to keep up with the boys. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a, again, such a linear goal-oriented orientation. But um, something that Vicky was saying earlier is that even in that time of rest, right, with the waning moon, in this time of decrease, there's a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of possibility, potential for embodying more of your medicine, more of your wisdom. You can harness your projects, but from a different energy that again is a lot more receptive it's, it's um wiser so yes you were saying mary lou that that sense of that time where you are receptive my my sister used to say that um you know this the the cooking doesn't happen with the stew when you're chopping the vegetables the cooking happens when everything's in the pot and it's just simmering <laughs> So we need that. that, Yeah, we need that simmer time for things to to, you know, to go through the cook. And if we're constantly chopping more vegetables, chopping more vegetables, go, 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 go. We never get to what we want. 
Well, you know, I see it as a sacred pause. It's like, it's, it's a pause that we take in order to grow our internal wisdom, but also to envision our projects, but from, again, from a place that is a lot um, perhaps deeper, more receptive. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's, again, the problem is that we want to always be in the solar energy, in the yang energy, and that's uh-huh. impossible, right? We need both. We need the feminine and we need the masculine energy, which both of them live within us, right? Just from the from the new moon to the full moon, we women are more in that masculine energy, more extroverted, more yang. And then from the full moon to the new moon, the second half is, as Vicky was saying, is a lot more receptive. Um, it decreases in output. Is um, is deeper, is internal, and both of them can complement perfectly if we learn or relearn how to navigate, how to use that as a sacred map for our work. Right? It's not that it's a setback; it's a time again to just like simmer the medicine, simmer <laughs> the soup. Uh huh. And I feel too that uh, when. You know, I've been we when Karen and I were making the mother piece cards, the first thing we even before we started making the cards, the first thing that we kind of learned about and started to practice was keeping track of our menstrual cycles. And of course, before long they synchronized and they synchronized with the moon in certain ways. Uh, as so many women's cycles do, and I've been kind of obsessed with how the menstrual cycle itself is was instrumental in our becoming human because we're different than the other primates that we're so close with in terms of our DNA, the bonobos and the chimps. But we're we're different in that we have a menstrual cycle and it synchronized itself. It hooked itself to the lunar cycle, which is just a, a phenomenon and one that uh, I've been very upset that science is so uninterested in this very, very amazing synchronicity that we hold in our bodies. And so then what happens when, when we start teaching women and encouraging women to open to the blood mysteries and to open to their blood cycles and to pay more attention and have awareness of the cycle, it, it teaches us in an embodied way instead of in an abstract intellectual way about growth and rest. And then we understand what's wrong with our culture because we see how it's just all growth. You know, that's the capitalist word. (coughs) We're always going for more. Right. And if there's any decrease, it freaks the people in power out. So it's terribly important, the work then that, that I did for so long with women and the work that Mary Lou is doing with women. I feel like it's essential. Yes, yeah, and 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 it, building on that, you know, with the whole capitalist model, it's like the threat of growth coming to a halt is the threat of the whole system coming tumbling down. So we are terrified to take that pause and to allow things to percolate and reflect and plan because we're terrified that the whole system if we stop that forward momentum if we stop growing 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 
the whole system is just going to fall down around our ears. So isn't it interesting that the mother goddess put a halt to it for a couple of years? Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> what I thought when the pandemic happened. Like, oh, look, she wants us to sit down and shut up. Right. <laughs> Stay right. Home and contemplate. Slow down. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, there's a natural check and balance almost. I mean, it's a it's a it's terrible that it had to come to that that you know, you had to pull back on the reins so sharp that yeah. so many people were were killed. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, you know, and I see this a little bit as I'm reading and looking around and talking to other women in in communities that it does seem to be that a lot of women's communities are sort of seizing this moment and saying, see, what we had before wasn't working. We've had this moment of pause. Let's do it. Let's try to transition to doing it better. And there's a lot of poten potential there, right? I feel like in my case, uh, with the pandemic, my, my work with women just grew exponentially because all of a sudden we were force right to take that pause and to also like reflect in how we are relating to life right and so yeah uh, yeah there's so there's so much potential i feel in in this moment um you know and ultimately the way we relate not only to the menstrual uh, cycle but just to the body of the earth it's a reflection and it's a symptom of the linear goal-oriented society and systems that we live in. So like, you know, everything is, is that reflection of what are the values that we are uh, programmed to uphold, right? And how by upholding that, we also uphold the patriarchy, right? The yeah. patriarchy wants us to be... Um, always going to focus again on the goal instead of the journey. And so the feminine invites that energy of, okay, well, this is a journey, right? And there's moments of growth and expansion in that journey. And then there's moments of decrease in um, introversion. And again, why do we see that as a, as yeah. a setback? So, <laughs> right, how can we um, redefine our connection and, you know, and really question in what ways we women consciously or unconsciously uh, are upholding the patriarchy by the way we relate to our bodies. And so, something so um, simple and, you know, natural as the blood cycles, right? Yeah, yeah. The, yes. The patriarchy has tried to do away with menstruation for sure um, for 5,000 years, you know, or for some period of time that's too long. Um, and at, when I see these young women getting the shots and getting rid of their periods through Western medicine, I think, well, the patriarchy has won, hasn't it? So the work you're doing, Mary Lou, is the antidote. And uh, I just, I want to, I want to hear about what some of the things are that you do with some of the young women who come for your teachings. Yeah, thank you. Definitely every time that I hold a container, right? Usually my teachings are 
uh, an initiation. I call them initiation and they uh -huh. last four months. So in each of those four months, we honor each of the four main phases of the lunar cycle. Right. And I, yeah. And then within that structure, I teach them what, okay, what each of those lunar cycles represent and how the, the maiden, the mother, the crown archetypes fit within that orientation of um, the lunar cycle and how that is reflected in the, in the body. Right. And it's just so powerful how women begin to remember and they begin to have more gentle cycles and they begin to feel like, oh, you know what, actually I can rest and I can allow my body the space and the time to just bleed and nothing is going to be taken from me. So it really creates like this awakening um, because, you know, I, I, I always share that, well, you know, it's not the patriarchy that provides the structure. Yes, the, the, the masculine provides a foundation, but we also have our, our, our own internal structure and that is so deeply linked to the moon outside, right? So, yeah, yeah and, you know, yeah, I've I seen how powerful and how thirsty women are, um, you know, wanting to reconnect, wanting to reclaim the dark goddess, right? Which is another, it's another um, of those archetypes that has been exiled. Like nobody wants the dark, the dark goddess. Nobody wants the, you know, like the messy, the dark, but there's so much medicine. There's so much wisdom in cultivating the dark face, not only the dark face of the moon, but also the dark face of women, the sun. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Can you talk a little bit more about that? I'm intrigued. Yeah. So in the, in the ancient wisdom traditions of menstruation, we had a very alive link to the dark goddess. And so the dark goddess may be you know, Shakti, she may be Kali, she may be messy. She is one that help us to go to our personal underworld, right? Like our inner landscape. And from that process of going into our um, underworld, we can come back, restore, we can come back with a sense of wholeness. So, you know, again, that archetypal energy of the dark goddess represents the time of bleeding, right? And so bleeding as, as a symbolic death, bleeding as um, a right uh, and as a connection with that dark goddess and with the time of, yeah, decrease, with a time of... Um, taking a step back and just being present for whatever arises in that journey to the underworld. And then we come back. So for me, the way I see it is that the menstrual cycle is not only a symbolic death, but it's also a journey to the underworld. And that's also something that we are very scared Right. Very afraid of, yes. Yeah, very afraid to like having any connection with the underworld, with the psyche, with <clears throat> our shadow aspects. 
But again, it's, yeah, go ahead, Vicky. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking how women are demonized for their periods. You know, they always say, oh, she's on her period. You know, that's why she's in that bad mood or whatever. And it's so important. We're so socialized to be always nice, always pleasing, always smiling, always uh, capitulating, always, uh, what's the word, um, uh, accommodating, always accommodating. And, you know, when you have your menstrual period, actually that stuff, those niceties that belong on the outside, they disappear. And we're not so nice during that period. And sometimes it can be so truthful, so illuminating to find out how you really feel. And if you have the nerve or the opportunity to actually express how you see the truth. You know, this is when when women break the rules and when we speak truth to power. Absolutely, Vicky. So powerfully um, expressed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, when we, you know, are willing to meet and to embody the dark goddess, it's like, you know, the dark goddess can have, you know, rage. She can be angry. She can explore that rage and then alchemize it into a source of power, right? And that embodiment of wisdom that sometimes can only be acquired when we are willing to go into that personal underworld. Uh, You know, and again, every... mm, blood cycle is an invitation to descend, right? To to share. It's that serpent medicine that is available in the underworld that we, again, collectively are very afraid and there's this uh, stigma, right, with with the meaning of the, the underworld. But, you know, there's, again, there's so much wisdom and so much medicine there. It's just a matter of learning, the yes. ways in which we've been conditioned to, yeah, to deny, to deny the dark goddess, to deny our cyclical cycles and rhythms. And to deny what we see, you know, to, to not uh, be accountable for the actual reality that we see quite clearly. And we see it especially clearly when we have our periods, because somehow at that point, the veil is so thin that we don't have our filters. And it's a, a very important time. In terms of social change, you know, if, if menstruating women all got together and told the truth about their lives, we would have to change the society. Yes, and, and that's how it used to be. It ju- it, that's yeah. exactly how it used to be, right? Yep. Um, yep. In, in ancient times, women will gather in the red tent or they will, you know, come together in circles and bleed together because, again, that helps to repair the connection with the earth, the connection with the web of life, the connection with all female bodies, with women, with sisters. And now we see women as competition, right? Or, or we see them as... Um, We're encouraged to see them as competition. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So there, yeah. So there's this um, sisterhood, sisterhood wound that is wanting to be healed, right? It's wanting to be resolved. And again, the way we do it is by uh, bringing back and reviving 
um, those ancient women's circles, right? Yes. We need to begin to create the red tents again. And, because you know, we don't have the natural, you know, we don't have natural lighting anymore. We don't, we have electric lighting. We have so many things that get in the way of the collective way that women used to experience our menstrual cycles. Even even girls in a dorm, you know, will still synchronize. Um, but yes. imagine when the whole community was organized around the female menstrual cycle. Uh, you know, it's like, it's amazing. Then all the new moon rituals and the full moon rituals, you know, it's the, the entire civilization is organized around the, the biological rhythms of the female instead of that linear, goal-oriented, straight line that you're talking about, Mary Lou. Yeah. And it's, if you really just, like, you know, take a moment and reflect, I think that's the natural state. That's how everything in nature is organized, right? There's periods of growth, and then, right. and then there's periods of decrease during the winter time, during the fall time. Yes. Um, so it, you know, the, there's that natural order that in the old days women were very much linked and and synced to, and that was the principle that will organize societies. Um, yeah, and so we need to definitely uh, go back to that and reclaim, remember that ancient wisdom that is there. It's it's in our bones and it's in our blood memory and it's in the collective um, unconscious. We just need to again, like you know, create those circles, bring back uh, those rites of passage that we were talking about, uh, begin to revive the dark goddess because, um, so the dark goddess is also the crone, right? The dark goddess is the wise one. And she's yeah. the one that holds the torch. And in, in, in fact, it's during the time of the new moon when the crone, the wise one, passes the torch to the maiden yes. and initiates the maiden and, and gives the maiden all of this wisdom. And so like, how can we bring that dark goddess slash crone back from exile, right? And right. see her as a source of wisdom that, right, it is actually her um, in, in, during the new moon that initiates the maiden. The maiden is to be initiated by the crone. Yes. She doesn't get That's... initiated by the patriarchy. She gets initiated by the crown. Yeah. Nice. And, you know, the, the, <clears throat> the politics of it are, are that we, uh, Western medicine has taken over the whole culture. And uh, Mary Lou and I both practice uh, natural medicine. And it's so important to feel into the natural um, in order to, you know, I wrote in the Double Goddess, women are naturally bipolar. And nowadays, women are diagnosed in very large numbers with bipolar uh, disorder. Disorder, thank you. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, an, it's a direct outcome of the ways that we have gone out of balance in terms of the male-female and the cycles and the linear, you know. So we really, we desperately need to come back around. Yeah. I, I mean, just, that. you know, just the, 
the menstrual cycle has even been pathologized, right? Yes. It's sometimes oh, it's, 100%. it's, it's yeah. seen as a pathology by the patriarchy because, again, it's like, no, it's an inconvenience, it's a setback, it's messy. Who wants that, right? Like, no, it, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's actually a time when your body is giving you all the clues, all the information through the blood of what's yes. happening in your internal landscape. The color, the texture, the smell of the blood has a lot to say as a map to what's happening internally. So as you were saying, Vicky, how we practice natural earth-based medicine, well, it begins with something as basic as what is the quality, what is the texture, what is the smell, what is the color of the blood cycle. We don't even pay attention anymore, right? Like we just like go and flush the blood down the toilet. And yes, you know, yes. and it's it's actually your blood is a map into and your it's in- sacred. Yes, and exactly. And it's a map. It's a map into what is happening internally. How are your hormones? Are you you know eating enough iron rich foods if your blood looks deficient if it looks too light or or pink right so we want that blood flow to be uh bright red like cranberry juice right that's that's the up that's the optimal color and so what you maybe you know it can point at where you may have a deficiency whether it's hormonal or in your diet so Again, like how we can begin to connect, to touch, to have a relationship with that menstrual blood instead of just, you know, discarding it down the toilet that we discard so many things in this current society, right? So like how it's all of the uh, programming this time that we revisit and really question. Uh, Don, do you have your hand? Yeah, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to sort of shift um, to talk a little bit about the 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 other two phases, the two times um, when your blood cycle is interrupted, uh, one for pregnancy and one for um, menopause. So, um, Mary Lou, and of course, Vicky. Um, what kind of work have you done around uh, pregnancy and birth? Well, in my early work, I was part of the women's health movement. And so we, we did a lot of work with pregnancy in general and uh, birthing as uh, and reproductive rights. I guess it was more political than ritualized at that point in my life, in my 20s. But um but we certainly did a lot with problem pregnancy. And we were, you know, when I was very young, we were driving women to Denver. I lived in Colorado Springs and we were driving women to Denver to get abortions because they weren't yet legal everywhere. But it was possible to to get abortions in New York and in, and in Colorado. And these were in instances where there were problems with uh, with the pregnancy? Well, no, the pregnancy was a problem. Um, Got it. Got it. (laughs) And so it was more, uh, you you had to, I think those were still the days when a woman had to have a doctor sign off on it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this would be a catastrophe for her. So. Right. And part of, you know, part of 
of honoring the cycle is uh, a woman needs body autonomy. She needs to be able to have the final say over what happens with her menstrual cycles. Yeah, you can um, say that a few times these days. Say that out loud. Keep saying yeah. that out loud. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, when I finally gave birth to Erin Eagle in when I was 36, I, I understood, I learned really uh, in an embodied way what I had always understood to be, <clears throat> to be true in feminist circles, you know, that I had missed out uh, on natural birth, that my daughters were born to me so young. I was 19 and 21. And uh, so I, I had nothing but uh, unnecessary interventions in my early births. And then with my son, when I was 36, I got to do it my way. And I got to really have the sacred, the most sacred experience of my pregnancy with him and uh, my birth and you know, and raising him. I mean, it's just been just been incredible because it is such an important part of life for so many women. And it's so interfered with in our culture. I had to go, we left uh, Berkeley and went to Arizona, to rural Northern Arizona, where I could basically be unmolested in my pregnancy. I wanted to get a midwife and not have anybody uh, stop me. And you know, in California at that point, I was past 35 <clears throat> and, uh, so and high, you know, quote unquote, high risk pregnancy. Yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was wonderful to really have a full experience, a full bodied experience of pregnancy and birth. It's so important. It's such a, you know, I had, I had written about it already. I was already aware of shaman cultures describing birth as a, a shamanistic initiation process for women, a way of coming into our natural power and uh, natural empowerment would be a better word. Um, but I experienced it. And, and when you experience things, you know them in your body. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, I I, we did a we did a being a bad Martha episode on pregnancy and birth, and I talked to a couple of women uh, here in LA who had recently given birth, and um, all of that Western medical intervention, unfortunately, uh, you know, in their cases, and this is an N of two, so, uh, but uh, in their cases, um, all of that Western medicine uh, actually made their birthing processes. Um, a lot, a lot, uh, in some cases more painful. Um, and certainly, uh, where they felt completely out of, um, disregarded yeah. in their own, in their own birthing process. Yep. Yep. And then menopause, let's talk about menopause. Okay. I don't think you're there yet. <laughs> Well, I am certainly there. That's for sure. Uh, Mary Lou, I don't, uh, you know, you're younger than both of us. So uh. I would like to add something to uh, motherhood. I feel Please like, do. Please yeah. do. I feel that it's such a personal decision, right? Um, we also been conditioned to believe that our worth as women uh, begins when we 
and if we are capable of having children, having babies. But to me, yeah. like, you know, the, the full moon archetype, right, that represents the time of mothering and motherhood and, um, you know, the choice whether we want to give birth to babies or, you know, we can also choose to uh, claim our sovereignty and say, you know what, I'm not going to have babies, you know, just having giving birth to your projects, to a book, you know, to your visions is also mothering. So, like, again, it's expanding this concept of mothering. We may be mothers to, you know, young women who are reclaiming this this uh, wisdom. So, you know, again, it's time to expand what mothering means and, you know, be fully in our sovereignty to decide if we want to bear children or not, because right, yes. it's such a big decision. <clears throat> You know, in yeah. Africa, I learned in my matriarchal studies um, group, international group, uh, that in Africa, and probably this is true in many, many matriarchal cultures, that there we everybody has. You don't think of only having your own mother. There are many mothers. The whole the whole community of women are mothers to all of the children. You know, it's a collective reality, and and you go to the different your different aunties, your different mothers, for different connections and different ways of learning and so on, different initiations probably, and we're so nuclear family oriented in this culture that it it's another uh, toxicity for us. It's another way of of keeping women separate from one another. It's unnatural. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I also think of um, the, the women that I know uh, my, in my personal circle who have had uh, very unhealthy relationships with their mothers um, due to a variety of different factors. Um, a lot of that from, you know, just the way that mother-daughter bonds are attacked by um, the patriarchy as well, um, because they're potential sources of power, but also because of just personal reasons. And I, I just think of how different and how uh, much more glorious their lives would have been if they had had access to um, just accepted access to other mothers. Other mothers, yep. To you know, help fill in the gaps and, and plug the holes where that relationship with their one biological mother was not um, aiding in their development in ways that it could. And that poor one bi biological mother is stuck in a house with her own appliances and her own children and all of the tasks that go along with that. And, there, and there's no uh, communal sharing of the joys and and uh, tasks of being a mother yes it's, we're coming out yeah hopefully coming out of a time where you know the the intention the the societal direction was that women would be completely focused on their own households as you know sources of ultimate happiness 
and that um, community with other women would get in the way of that. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. trying pretty hard to bring us back to that. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. Our politics right now are, are working against us. It's, it's, as you say, Mary Lou, it's a very interesting moment, very important, promising moment for us because there's such a backlash. Yes. Yeah. I think our wisdom is going to start making more sense. Well, I certainly hope so. Um, but let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, menopause, which we touched on earlier, Mary Lou, with your your uh, you and Vicky discussing the dark goddess and uh, the idea of the one who tells the truth and initiates the maiden. Um, so yeah, some cultures believe that uh, when the woman stops bleeding, it's because she is she has decided to keep her power inside herself. And uh, I think that's such a fun way of looking at it um, as a post-menopausal woman. But um, Mary Lou, do you want to talk a little bit about that, that sort of the other end of the journey? Mm, beautiful. Yes, absolutely. When we see... Men, um, menopause again from the lens of menstrual wisdom and ancient wisdom, we can begin to see it as a sacred rite of passage. It's the time when we have cultivated and embody our wisdom. That it's a time where we have, you know, given our projects, birthed our visions into the world, and now which has become the wise ones, the crown ones that hold the wisdom, right? And again, how can we bring back from exile the time of the waning moon, how that relates to menopause? And, you know, there's so much healing and medicine that can happen when we revisit and approach the way we women been conditioned to think about menopause, right? It's not a time when we are, you know, done with our engagement or our contribution to society, but it's a time when we serve as the bridges, right? We can be the bridge between the ancient wisdom and bring it back. We can be the wise one um, that can, you know, share that wisdom with with the young um, women. There's, I don't know. There's so much that has to be traced back to. Well, you know, <clears throat> the thing is, it's all about the hormones, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we downplay hormones in our culture. I mean, the first thing women want to do in menopause in, in Western culture with Western medicine uh, selling it is, is to go on hormones. And yeah. the thing is, if you, if you move with your hormones, if you let the hormones teach you what's happening, it's so rich. There's so much real wisdom in it 
for just each woman herself. You know, when I when I actually went into menopause and had marked uh, a year from the time of my uh, last bleeding, <clears throat> I went and got a gold belly button ring to honor the occasion. And I love it. <laughs> and I really, uh, I felt in my own bodily process, a kind of switch that happened, <clears throat> like somebody switched a light switch or something. And my, you know, I, I and one of the things I re realized sort of laughing was how strong, how strongly, how driven I had been by my hormones in terms of sexuality and relationships and drama and the roller coaster ride of love and heartbreak and all of that, you know, you think it's normal because you're in it and it is normal at that age. And then when it, when it stops, it's this amazing moment where you can actually see that you, you don't have that going on anymore. And for quite a while, it's not like there's no libido. It's just that you have a different relationship to it. You have a, you have a choice in the matter. Uh, before that, I really feel, looking back, that my libido basically drove the car, you know, mm. uh, the car of my life. And, and it made for a lot of creativity and a lot of sexuality and a lot of pleasure and, and all of that, a lot of benefit. But it also uh, didn't leave time for the kinds of decisions, hard decisions that have to be made um, that require more detachment. And so I was very appreciative of the detachment that I began to feel. It was like, now I can choose whether I want to get involved with someone rather than just not automatically, of course, getting involved because the energy's there. And it made for a lot of time and space for creativity. I got very, very interested in uh, my creativity and artistic pursuits at that point. It seemed like a great gift. Mm, beautiful. It sounds like it was like a, a homecoming, a cultivation of all the wisdom that you have accumulated through a lifetime, right? And yes. It, it yes. Takes a, yeah, it takes a lot of, again, wisdom and discernment into how you can cultivate and embody that and let that be your compass for the remaining of your life. So again, it's, it's, all <laughs> yes. how, it's all how we want to approach all those faces, right? And, you know, we can, again, we can see it from a place of, oh, what an inconvenience. Or we can see it as a place of like, well, I have cultivated all of this wisdom through my life experiences. And now I get to choose that you have like bigger agency and, you know, yes. probably even, even a bigger freedom and liberation. Yes, it felt liberating. Exactly. And not that my sexuality didn't feel liberating. It did. That was part of what the women's movement gave us. But it felt just as liberating to, uh, to feel the next level, you know, and the freedom of that agency. That's a very good word for it. And, you yeah. know, old women are known for uh, not caring what people think. Mm -hmm. I love <laughs> their minds, you know, and so... I think that's that's really a natural outcome of of not taking if you you know if you can somehow get through your menopause without having to take hormones for the rest of your life if you have to 
do the hormones, you end up, uh, you know, I don't know what happens because I've never done that. But I, I uh, feel like it's important to find the gift that comes naturally from the, the end of, the, of your hormonal cycle. I love that. And, you know, I feel like on the other side of that same coin is the pressure that women feel to remain young forever, uh -huh. right? To, uh -huh. to act youthful, to deny and resist the aging process. And yes. so, like, you also see we, yeah, women who are resisting the initiation into crown years, Because again, it's seen as unattractive and it's seen as something, a, a face that has no value. And so, right, I see women that, you know, they are clinging for their life to, to youth and, um, you know, resisting that rite of passage. But yes, yeah. It's yeah, so they, they, they fear um, irrelevancy, which is what our society consigns yes. crones too. Yes, I have to fight that every minute. <laughs> yeah. And if, so if, true. if we actually valued the, you know, the wisdom and the mm -hmm. power of that elder stage of, mm -hmm. uh, in our society, then I, I wonder if there would be less fear um, on the part of women, uh, you know, who are afraid of getting older And the pressure um, that can, you know, be taken off their shoulders when they, instead of resisting and holding on to the mother archetype, to just really like going to that rite of passage, that transition into the crown um, with, again, with a sense of cultivation of wisdom, with a sense of cultivation of wisdom and embodiment of your life's work, right? And still have a sense of meaning and purpose in life, which right, requires discernment and courage to, to be able to, like, like you, Vicky, I look up to you um, in the way you have welcome in the, the crown. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> For me, it, it, uh, I was talking with an, another friend of mine and we were recently talking about how much easier a lot of things are when you were crone because, you know, there were decisions or there are moments that you would uh, turn over in your head and agonize about and think, did I do the right thing? Was that the right thing to say? Did I, you know, should I have, um, should I have taken this person into consideration or have I hurt someone's feelings? And there's a simplicity uh, that comes, I think, with crone wisdom where, You, you just, instead of agonizing about things endlessly, it's like, did I hurt your feelings? No? Okay, great. Moving on. It's, it's a, there's a simplicity there that I am so thrilled to be able to embrace. Yeah, in a sense of liberation too. I feel like there's a lot of yeah, liberation from, you know, all um, worries or concerns. Beautiful. I think that it's pretty hard in our culture to actually get truly liberated from all of those expectations and all that programming and all the advertising and everything. I find that it, it has to be, it's like a practice for me. Yes. I practice uh, remembering that, the, that aging is okay 
I'm in my aging process. I'm 75. It's okay. Uh, the things that are happening as I notice things happening in my body, you know, it can be very stressful if you, if you get caught up in what the culture demands. But I keep telling myself at different times, you know, uh, Vicki, you're not a movie star. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to pay attention to those kinds of uh, pressure, pressures and uh, expectations, expectations, pictures, you know, it's not real. It's not real. I'm not a movie star and it, I don't work. My face doesn't, you know, my face yeah. and my body are not the means by which I transmit my purpose in life. And it's very mm-hmm. hard to keep that in the foreground and to not, uh, you know, just sort of feel um, a kind of dread uh, in the aging process. I've been trying to practice grace and I've been trying to practice uh, curiosity been mm. to be curious about my own the stages you know and i think that's for, that's pretty good for us to do at any point of course but mm, that's so it, beautiful there's so much there's so much beauty there um vicky and that's the discernment i was talking about right be discerning be courageous and right just Trust your accumulated body of knowledge, your wisdom. Let that be your legacy. So yes. again, like for me, yes. the crown is like, oh, that is the legacy. That's the legacy that I have cultivated through all these, you know, life experiences. And that legacy can still be very potent for the upcoming generations and for women who are again journeying and seeking this this ancient wisdom and you know as i was saying it's the crown who initiates the maiden so there is is still a lot of life in there but it it does take tremendous discernment and courage to break those expectations and pressures and to act again from that uh, place of wisdom instead of being carried away by the pressures and the expectations of a society that right is very uh, much in denial and in resistance of the natural impermanence of not only the body the human body but the impermanence of life yes absolutely we go back to that um, resistance to impermanence the resistance to the life that rebirthing cycle that everything in nature and hence us as humans also go through right yeah. so it's yeah. so much to learn with with regards yes. to, to that that fixation that we have with uh with permanence which is you know ultimately uh impossible to to yes yeah. we're all going there <laughs> exactly, no, exactly. I, yeah i look i look to indigenous elder women, um, not so much for teachings at this point, but I look at their faces and I look at their uh, wrinkles, the, the really old women in so many different indigenous cultures are so, uh, they're so unself-conscious and so embodied. And, and there's a contentment and an acceptance in their faces of the the natural process of aging, and I really, uh, I'm I'm so grateful for that. I I I use their pictures often in my collages, you know, just to so that I have that to contemplate 
because we're so freaked out by it. Yes, and even yeah. that is such an act of revelation and revolution and a radical act of, you know, revolution just to say, you know, I, I welcome my wrinkles. I welcome my saggy skin. I welcome my white hair. Why fear it when it can be, again, a source of so much wisdom? Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Mary, well, you, you work with uh, Indigenous elders, right? I do, yes. I, I work with uh, the lineage that I was initiated into as um, the elders from from Peru, right? Uh-huh. And what a lineage that has very uh, poignantly and very powerfully uh, shown me the the cycles of life and how we are in constant flux and in constant movement and that the only thing that is for sure is death and impermanence it's just it's how we choose to walk right this this journey how we we choose to engage with um yeah the cycles of life it is it is a lineage that's very much rooted and anchored in the practices of the um the divine feminine, the earth as medicine, the the great mother in how she um, wishes us women and men also, right? I feel like men can also um, have a lot of agency in upholding the womb of the earth and the womb of wisdom and, and coming to right relationship with the feminine. Um, so we all as a society can learn so much from um, indigenous elders because they have and continue to carry the codes for the preservation of all these ancient um, wisdom traditions. Yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, the only lasting truth is change. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a wonderful place to, I think, to bring this to a close. Um, Mary Lou, do you have uh, any last thoughts you'd like to add? I do you have a I think you have a new cycle of um, studies coming up. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, I would be happy to share. Yeah. So next um, Sunday on September 4th, I am going to begin a new cycle of initiation into the archetype of the medicine woman and the roles, the contributions that a medicine woman has during this potent and poignant time. Um, so it, this is a four-month journey, and we navigate and explore and excavate not only womb and cycle wisdom, but also um, the role of the shaman, right, in that medicine as um, as a way of bringing forward much needed change. And so it's a container for women, and we meet every Sunday for 16 weeks and it's offered um, online via Zoom. My Instagram account is Marilu, M-A-R-I-L-U, that Shen, last name, S-H-I-N-N. You can find all the information there. I also have a a website that's Kawak, um, K-A-W-A-K-K, energymedicine.com 
and there I share um, wisdom and inspiration, ways in which you can connect and work with me. But I work um, mostly with women. Wonderful. And we'll have those links uh, in the episode notes as well so that uh, people can find that if they're looking for connection, a deeper connection with you and your work. And uh, Vicki, did you have any final thoughts? I thought several times during Mary Lou's talking uh, about how Mary Daly, way back in the middle of the 20th century, said that we that the patriarchal foreground is always there and it's driving us crazy and she wrote many books about it but that all we have to do as wild women elemental women is we just fall into the matriarchal background that is always there and uh, and as Mary Lou was talking about remembering and how how we we women do remember we remember through our cycles, I think, and through our biology, what it means to be uh, an embodied human being inside of cycles of life. So falling into the matriarchal background, that was from Gyne Ecology, one of Mary Daly's best books. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, both of you. This has been just a delicious discussion. And uh, and much luck with the future. And thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you too, Mary Lou. Oh, thank you, uh, Dan. And thank you, Vicky. It's been such a pleasure to be in this conversation, this share, such an important um, conversation to be had. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wonderful. This has been the 34 Circe Salon, Make Matriarchy Great Again. Take care, everyone, and blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be.